Hello everybody and welcome back to Ancient Anime. Thank you for stopping back in. Um, so in the spirit of making everything as good as it can possibly be, I have taken a few different criticisms and, um, you know, positive criticisms and a few different things that I've noticed when editing and presenting these episodes and have decided to make a couple changes. The first being that we are going to have this intro be a little bit more lighthearted and vampy instead of being a scripted monologue. Um, it didn't really seem to hit it off with a lot of people. But that's our first big change. So for today's episode, we are going to be talking about um, a, a specific type of 90s anime. So when you think of anime, I'm sure a lot of people think of tropes. The big one right now being um, the spirited away to another universe. Um, there's been so many of them. It kind of started around the time that Sword on a Line got popular, and there's just all kinds of, you know, regular kids ending up in fantastical universes, and then the, the reverse of that. So I was thinking, what is something comparable to the isekai craze that happened in the 90s? And I thought, harem anime. Harem anime was so big back in the 90s and early 2000s, and then I was like, okay, so what is the biggest harem anime of the 90s? And when I remembered it was Love Hina, I decided to think, what is the second biggest harem of the 90s? Because I don't want to get that close to death. So we went with Tenchi. And what better, or as we found out midway through the episode, worse where place to start would be the movie. So we are going to review Tenchi and Love, the movie for you today. I hope you enjoy the show. Nuri is joining me again. Sit back, relax, and let's get started. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Ancient Anime, your new favorite podcast about anime where we look at older shows from the 80s and 90s generally and just kind of see, do they hold up in 2022 or are they just nostalgic? Joining me today, I have Nuri once again, and we have a special announcement. Nuri, you want to say hi? Hi. So um, we talked a little bit recently Nuri and I just really vibe. We had a ton of fun um, doing the Sailor Moon R episode that came out recently. And we also have a ton of fun, um, you know, hogging the spotlight on the Cosmocast. We just vibe and we talk about um, a lot of queer stuff, which is a big focus of um, some of the anime that we've been picking. What a coincidence. <laughs> and so I really just think it would be cool if she was kind of the the, the temporary co-host. I, I wouldn't even say temporary. I would say pretty standard co-host we'll be rotating her in and out of course um, just to give her a little bit, bit of a break because this is kind of a, a weekly show is pretty demanding but I would just really like to have her on as much as possible whenever she you know wants to be here so for today we had a little bit of a back and forth there's a lot of stuff that we want to cover on this show and it's just a matter of finding what would be the best of what time and so we were wondering what's something that we could do that's a little bit different than what we've already done on past episodes you know, just to give us a little bit of variety. One of the genres that was super popular in the 90s, especially, that we haven't really touched on yet is harem anime. And um, harem anime could be notoriously bad, so it was a very <laughs> treacherous pit of finding the right show, the right movie or the right show to do this for. And we eventually landed on Tenchi. Yeah, of all the harem anime I've seen, this is comparatively the 
better one. I th- I'd say probably in the top five of harem animes that is not a reverse harem because straight up, I will admit, I am trash. I am a woman who enjoys me some reverse harems. I love otome games <laughs> where it is between me and 12 guys and I got to pick which one I want to romance and, you know. So I'm not one to judge people who like the harem trope. It's totally fine. It's valid. But Tenchi is probably one of the better ones I've seen in an anime that did not totally gross me out with a main protagonist who is so unlikable (laughs) that it just totally ruined the whole show. Love Hina. Yeah, Love Hina is bad. We will get to that in just a second. So basically... A harem anime is when you have one central protagonist and there are a slew of other characters that want to be like the final relationship, the the number one couple. Mostly it's one guy with a bunch of girls. There is a subgenre called reverse harem where it is one girl with a bunch of guys, as Nuri had mentioned. But for the most part, it's um, one guy with like six or seven girls that all want to be with him. It's not often clear why these women <laughs> want to be with them because, like, like Nuri said, a lot of times the character is like super unlikable, either like a big pervert or a low life. It's it's it, a weird kind of genre that uh, really was really popular. It's kind of like the phenomenon today. I would compare it to isekai, where like a character is being sent to another world. How there's just anime after anime after anime like that in the 90s there was just anime after anime of harems it was a big thing because you would have this beautiful cast of girls that was the main drawing point because i mean let's face it in the 90s there was a lot of etchy type stuff a lot of pervy stuff going on out there so really drawing people and there was typically one there was a lot of um stereotypes on those shows like you would have the bimbo girl you would have the tomboy you would have the real serious girl uh the prim and proper one you would have the really kitty like girly like like questionably young age one so there was something for everybody so it was i think it was just a really yeah it was pick your flavor but yeah it, it was a good way to pull in all different types of mainly young men because again that's what a lot of anime back then was targeting and it it just it became this big thing thankfully in Tenchi though it was a little bit different um we'll kind of get into it a little bit more later but not all of the girls are like super into Tenchi and not all of the girls are into Tenchi for romantic reasons (laughs) as uh, in the case of Washu we don't feel like that's super romantic reasons there but um, they all have valid reasons for wanting to be at least in the space of Tenchi. I mean, I, I would say that uh, Mihoshi, not Mihoshi, um, Kione, like, I don't think she even wants to be there. She wants to go do her job and her job is in space. <laughs> I, I'll have to rewatch the TV series to see why they stick around so much. I think that... If I'm remembering correctly, I think they stayed there because they were originally supposed to catch Ryoko. And they it was kind of like a Team Rocket failing thing over and over again. Is that correct? So, sort of. So I looked it up because I also have not watched Tenchi in a hot, hot minute. Probably since the early 2000s. 
and Aieka and Sasami are on Earth because they were chasing Ryoko because their brother had gone after Ryoko and gone missing. Oh. And so, and Ryoko, like, I can't remember if it was her or maybe it was even Washu had, like, messed with Ryoko's bounty where technically she's not wanted anymore. And so that's why, like... She's, like, allowed to be on Earth without people constantly coming after her. But, like, basically she's on probation on Earth. Oh, are they her probation officers? <laughs> I, I think that's what it is. I think they're, like, to make sure she doesn't get in trouble. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. And they just happen to be there with Tenchi. <laughs> By the time this movie comes around, it's we've gotten to the point with the character development in the series that they just are there. And nobody feels the need to bring up why. Yeah, that's 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 something that I think we we discussed, and I, I think we will also discuss later. Where it's like, wait, because this kind of throws you in into the middle of a plot, <laughs> because they they don't have any like breakdown of like, hey, so this is who these people are, this is why they're here. It's just like you have to know, you have to have watched the 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 OVA before watching this to have any idea what's happening. Which is why before we start reviewing Tenchi and Love, which is the name of the movie. I don't even know if we've said that yet. No, we haven't also, we haven't discussed either the whole naming convention of Tenchi movies. The Tenchi movies really got screwed over in the United States. Um, so there are three Tenchi movies in, for the, as far as Muyo is concerned. There might be some more for the newer ones like GPX and all of that. I don't pay attention to that because that wasn't my childhood. But Tenchi... Muyo slash Tenchi Universe slash Tenchi in Tokyo, which was the original core series, continuum, whatever you want to call it, um, universe. They had three movies. There was Tenchi and Love, Tenchi the Movie 2, and then Tenchi and Love 2. I don't know why they decided to name it like that, but it got even more confusing when it came over to the United States because if what I remember seeing this movie, Tenchi and Love, was just called Tenchi the Movie. And so we had Tenchi the Movie 2 that came out later. And then we had Tenchi and Love 2, which was originally just called Tenchi and Love. It was just, it was very confusing. Thankfully now with the digital releases and with them realizing that this isn't just a passing fad that they can make a quick buck off of, they've gone back and really reworked some of the naming conventions and now everything is straightened out so like if you go on itunes or if you go online to streaming services they'll have the correct names but the 90s was a wild time for releases the early 2000s was even wilder with companies just popping up and dying left and right so it, it it's just it was a confusing mess essentially but this movie like Nuri said, just kind of sets you down with all these characters and expects you to know who they are and their mannerisms. It doesn't go into explaining a lot. So in order to keep people from being extremely confused, um, because normally we would just progress through, be like, and this character comes in and this is how they're introduced. They all just are there. So we've thought that maybe we should do like a quick character rundown um, of some names that you're going to be hearing a lot in this. Um, so... First off, we have Tenshi Misaki, uh, Masaki, sorry, um, who is the main character of the show, the namesake of the show. He is a descendant of Jirai, which is like this alien race, country, nation thing. Um, they all have mysterious powers. It, it, it's kind of, 
I'm trying to think of how to describe it. Like, Jirai is essentially, like, it, it's not only the name of, like, the leader and, like, the founder of the race, but it's, like, the name, like, if you're from Jirai, it's also the name of the, the planet, possibly. So it's all, like, I don't know, it's weird. It's, like, I'm trying to think of, like, a comparison. It's just, like, no, it's all Jirai. <laughs> That's, but he's a descendant of the royal family from down the line. And, well, the, this movie actually explains that a lot more than the series did initially. So that's good. Then we have the sisters Ayaka and Sasami. Um, Ayaka is our prim and proper princess girl who... Um, she's kind of hot-headed, but only when you push her buttons. <laughs> and there's another character that knows how to push her buttons. But um, she is the current princess of Jirai and really once the dust settles on the plot really sticks around around Tenchi because she wants to marry him to continue the Jirai bloodline as pure as they possibly can because he is a half human but he still has pure Jirai blood in him so she in her mind she has the right to marry him basically like I don't even think she considers if it's his choice or not. She just has the right. And then Sasami's the annoying little sister. Ryoko is our resident, like I mentioned earlier. She is a former... Oh my god, what is... I, she's just like a criminal. I think she was like a space pirate. Yeah. She's like stolen and she's committed many crimes. Our little meow meow Ryoko. <laughs> she... Um, is very much like the I'm trying to think of what trope she's the bad girl yeah that's what she the is the tomboy bad girl she's the, she's the tomboy bad girl who goes against Ayaka's princess trope she's tough and she's like comparatively like very strong compared to the rest of them she's she can fly and like throw energy beams and all this other crap and teleport teleport and she likes Tenchi because I guess he's a simp. I don't know. Like, I don't really see what she sees in him. I think because he's nice to her, possibly. Yeah, I was thinking that earlier, like, what her... We should do more research. <laughs> That's the problem with movies that don't... That, like, <laughs> that don't Moon refresh was... our memory. Sailor Moon was so great because it had that recap. I mean, like... We were both really well versed in Sailor Moon, so it wasn't necessary for us specifically. But it was nice to have that recap at the beginning that says this character did this, and they are motivated by this, and this is their secret identity. With this, and we're just gonna like <laughs> plop down, right? Um, in the beginning of the movie is movie is already incredibly confusing with the way they decide to showcase the story. We'll get into in a second, but yeah. So moving on, we from our tomboy to our genius girl, which is another trope that was pretty common in 90s anime as Washu. She's like this super crazy genius lady who has, does inventions and experiments and things like that. She's not super prominently featured in the movie, so we won't be talking about her a whole lot, but she is a really important character. And then we have... Um, I guess Nuri's two favorite characters. Listen, as a queer woman, these were my icons. Listen, okay, you, I'll, I'll cover Kione. You can do me Hoshi because I know you love me Hoshi. <laughs> so Kione is basically the straight man of the group. She is the serious businesswoman who is like, I'm here to do a job. I don't care about your 
strange love triangles or anything like that. She's a space cop and she's here to do space cop business. And then she has her little sidekick. Mihoshi. Um, Mihoshi is fills in for the ditzy, like, uh, like dumb character that is very cute or very attractive, but not very smart and does like gets into situations that just makes her look and feel even dumber all the time. But she's just so adorable that you you give her a pass. And that was another really big trope. It, it still happens a lot now. Um, it's a pretty good story device that I wish they would have utilized. Where you, you could have a dumb character so that they can explain to that character while also explaining to the audience without breaking the fourth wall things that are happening. Which is something that they really could have utilized with her in this movie, but I digress. Anyway, um, we're going to talk about this movie. We've been we spent a good long chunk here at the beginning, just rambling, trying to get it set up. But this, I feel like it was super necessary to know who these characters are, and on like at least a base level, and just know that Tenchi is the descendant of these aliens, um, this alien race, but he's also half human. He doesn't know that he in the beginning he doesn't know he's part of this alien race, right? But but by now where the movie is he knows yeah i was just saying because it sets up later where we find out another character who has a connection to tenchi also doesn't know that they are part of this ancient race yes it's just, it gets confusing so the our movie uh starts out with um this weird like space opera type of tone and it's one of the things about tenchi that is a little bit jarring because there's two different modes that the show gets into. It is very much a slice of life harem anime at its core, but usually the bookends of the show, um, like the mid season and then the end of the season, will bring up the more supernatural elements of what's going on. So um, they just kind of hit the ground running with the, with this part um, at, at the beginning of the movie. Because we start off in the space station, this they're um it's i guess it's a prison is that where they're at it's some kind of like space jail yeah like where where all of these like s-class big old criminal people are being held yeah so it's, it feels very jarring for the movie to start off this way it's not out of place but it what most people remember about the show is that it's this slice of life with some sci-fi elements but mostly this guy living with a bunch of quirky girls so it feels a little bit weird to start off with this um we do see that this big s level evil criminal kane gets um escapes from jail doesn't really go into detail how he does that like it just like there's like oh no he's escaped and i'm just like why how but it, it just happens yeah it just happens it's don't, don't question it um, and so he comes out and just starts blowing everything up. One of my favorite moments in the whole series actually happens with this part, just because it makes no sense. Our first main characters that we see in this movie are Kione and Mihoshi. They are in their spaceship, and they're a safe distance away from where all this is going down, and they receive this emergency transmission that something bad is happening. And so they play an homage to Jurassic Park, of all things, which I guess back, I guess back in the '90s that was really that was relevant and big, 
but it's just so weird because they're in a spaceship and it, it does the cup ripple thing when uh, the T-Rex is approaching them in Jurassic Park, but it doesn't make sense because that's not really how space works. I do, yeah. I'm not like a scientist or anything, but I'm pretty sure that's not how space works. Like sound waves don't travel through space. So it it didn't make a whole lot of sense, but I would just, I love the sheer madness of it and I also love the reference. There's a couple of references in this movie that are pretty interesting, but this whole opening sequence is basically just to let you know that Kane exists he bad and he coming. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't feel a ripple through space. This the whole beginning of this movie is just convoluted, but I digress. We finally progress past this and get to the the good characters, as I like to call them. We get to see everybody over at Tenchi's house. It's a real quick scene that just has Tenchi in it where he starts to like statically disappear and then he like comes back into existence again and then we get this super ominous music like this terrifying like theatrical evil music playing and it says Tenchi Muyo in love which is just the juxtaposition that I live for right thank you for setting this movie up to be a horror movie (laughs) as with the title Tenchi in love my least favorite part of this movie is what happens directly after the title screen because we it, it establishes that we're now in 1970 the series takes place in 1993 or 4, something like that. Yeah, like, yeah, it's like, I think it's 92, 93. Yeah, so this is in the past for where the series takes place. And then it's slowly, there's like this musical montage with this like light airy music playing where we don't get any audio of what people are saying. And it slowly starts revealing characters, and we see that Kione and Mihoshi are there in 1970. So my brain is like, did these space people age more slowly? Like, why are they there? Like, because there's no explanation. There's no setup for this scene. It just drops you into it. And slowly, more and more of the girls start showing up. Like, you you see Ayaka and um, Ryoko in class, and you see um, Sasame and... Tenchi in the bushes hiding so you slowly start to realize that oh they've gone back in time but just the way that they set the scene up and they it just it felt very jarring because there was no context for it and it literally it was one of those things where I spent a good like two or three minutes just trying to get my brain to figure out what's going on in this scene yeah I I, I didn't even real like I I knew I remember th- this movie vaguely so I knew, like, the plot is essentially Back to the Future, but with a harem anime. And so, so like, I remember being like, okay, I know they go back in time, but I also was like, wait, are they, they're back in time now? How? Why are they back in time? They didn't even set up why they went back to the past. Yeah, there's literally zero context. But thankfully, for whatever reason, it just goes back to the present before they go back to the past like it's it was it was just bizarre it yeah so it sets it up and so you see you see the main girls and then you see this one person who becomes the focus of the scene and it's somebody that we as the audience have no idea until it's revealed that they're watching a a home movie like an old you know eight old 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 eight millimeter movie and it's Tenchi's mom, apparently. The, the, we see this one girl, and her it's Tenchi's mom, and he's, like, watching this 
old, you know, home movie footage with Ayaka, Ryoko, and Sasami. And his mom, by the way, is dead. <laughs> so they're like looking back at old, old movies. But this is his mom in high school. And I have a comment about this. It's impl- it, it, He says that his dad had made the film. He, his dad had recorded it. Who? in their right mind in 1972 or 70 whatever gave their teenage shithead son the ability to take their camcorder <laughs> to film a girl who was not even his girlfriend yet by the way this is just somebody he's like friends with Stalking. do you know how expensive those cameras were that was like four hundred dollars i don't care if this was the most careful child, I'd be like, no, you're not taking my camcorder to school. You got camcorder money in 1970? Maybe he was a rich family. We don't learn anything about what his family does for a living. We don't know anything about his dad's family. We know about his mom's family because they live in his mom's house with his grandpa. Yeah, the shrine. Like, in a shrine. They don't know. We don't know anything, anything about his dad's family. His dad, his dad basically moves in with his mom and like after they get married and everything like that and like he just is like, cool, I'll just be a Masaki now, I guess. And so I, so while we're on the topic of this, and I, I won't go into my complete rant. I'll save that for later in the film because there's, there's a rant incoming, spoiler alert. But just pay attention to what's happening in this scene because... This scene is shown a couple of different times throughout the the movie. It's like a very pivotal moment. It's the moment that his mom and dad technically first start interacting. Like they've been in class together, but they've never really interacted until she turns around and sees that he's filming her. And that's kind of like their pivotal moment to where they meet and become friends and start developing a relationship. Just a few moments later... Um, but which is like the catalyst of them deciding to go back into the past, the mom starts disappearing from that footage. And then Tenchi starts disappearing. So they kind of put two and two together that something happened to his mom in the past that caused her to not get together with his dad and him not be born. Whether she died or she fell in love with somebody else, it's not clear at this point in time. Given the fact that there's an S-class criminal on loose, she probably died, but... I digress. At this point, we didn't know. <laughs> At this point, something just happens to her that prevents Tenji from being born. Right. And so they, they this is where they decide to go back in time. So you would logically think that since she disappeared in this footage, that something happened to her before then. Just remember that for later, because we're going to see the scene again in real time. But anyway... Um, the so she disappears from this footage and then everything around the house starts to become decrepit the house starts to become like moldy and run down and everything around them just starts becoming gloomy and tenchi starts to disappear and washu deploys like this net this digital net that like catches him and she reveals that she set up a small barrier that's protecting them because everybody's first question is if tenchi's mom is no more how are they all still there well thankfully washu is here um lovable washu who i have this the most delightful story about um that's super super embarrassing i don't even know if i should share this i share way too much on this podcast 
talking about Sailor Moon's titties getting me banned from the internet. Like, I, I don't. I think at this point, we not, neither of us have any shame. When we get to one of a... We were talking... There's another show that we're going to do later on. And when we discuss my... When we get to that show, I will reveal some embarrassing stuff about me. So, so when I was younger, and I was... I was very, very young, probably like nine or ten, and I had the internet. This is after Boobgate when I got the internet back. Um, I was able to start joining chat rooms, and one of the things that I decided to do was role play, as because I wanted to be like these anime characters that I'm watching. And the anime that I was really obsessed with at the time was Fujiyugi, so I decided I was going to be Toski. But um, one of the things that I thought was so cool at the time was having one character from one show interact with a character from another show. So I would always go into these like multi-anime chat rooms that because like you go into one that was specifically for Fushigi, specifically for Sailor Moon, specifically for Tenchi, whatever. But I went into these multi-fandom ones and I met somebody cos or not cosplaying. I met somebody role-playing, sorry, as Washu, and that became my first girlfriend like my first online girlfriend again i was like 10 it was there was nothing sexual about it we neither we didn't know anything about either person's real life i referred to her as washu and she referred to me as toski but it was just like this every time i see washu the character that memory comes back and i just have this like sense of like hilarity mixed with shame because it was such a dumb thing your first internet girlfriend was washu my first internet girlfriend was Washu, but it's not too far fetched. I mean, there people still go and role play on like Tumblr and stuff. Just because Yahoo chats and MSN chats and AIM chats are all dead, doesn't mean that this kind of stuff doesn't still happen. I have friends that role play. I mean, yeah, I I'll fess up. I I used to role play, um, on Live Journal. So yeah, I I I I have no stones to throw into <laughs> any glass houses here. It's not that uncommon. It's just it's. It's funny that, like, we're reviewing this show, and that's the only thing I can think of when I see Washu. It's like, I dated her, sort of. Not really, though. I mean, I'm super homo these days, so it was definitely in the time where everything was innocent and not, like, creepy ulterior motive type of things. And Yeah, definitely. I don't know if that was a girl or a 40-year-old man, because, I mean, that's everybody's constant fear on the internet, but, like... It was just role playing, like we were doing different episodes of Tenchi, basically. Like I was living in the shrine with them, and she was doing wacky experiments. It wasn't anything gross by any means. I also, like I said, I also used to do that. Uh, <laughs> that's how I got my first. Ironically, also from Fushigi Yuki. That's how I got my my internet handle of Nuri, because Nuriko from Fushigi Yuki. So this, there's a reason why. Me and KRF were meant to do a show together. <laughs> oh, Fushijugi. That that's gonna be quite the anime to tackle. Fifty-two episodes. Lord, Lord help oh, us. Yes. Um, moving back to the plot, though, we so Washu has this machine that she, this time traveling machine that she has, conveniently, as if she knew this is gonna happen, but whatever, and um, they decide that they're going to go back into the past and they essentially kidnap Kioni and Mihoshi and con them into going with them to go back in time which I thought was hilarious because like there was no need for them to be there even when we get into the plot of the movie they serve like zero purpose at all they're there because they're because they're in the show they're and people probably the show. like them 
Like, there's one point where Bihoshi, like, actively almost ruins everything. So they really have no purpose. I think that's Mihoshi's job. So we, we go back in time, and they all start to fit in with um, where they fit into the school. Because Ayaka and um, Ryoko look younger, they're students, so they can get close to uh, Tenchi's mom. And Mihoshi is a teacher for some reason. Real quick, real quick about uh about Tenchi's mom. Her name is Achika. And I constantly mistook the name Achika for Ayeka. Like, 90% of the time. I'm like, why are they talking about Ayeka right now? And I'm like, oh no, they meant Achika. Why would they give her a name that is literally like two syllables off? Maybe it's like a, a naming convention for Jirai. I don't know. So the, everybody's kind of fit in into the past. And they're all trying to find different ways. Except for Kioni, who... Like, who's going to talk to their janitor? But whatever. Everybody... Yeah, why is she a janitor? Why is Mihoshi a teacher? (laughs) Of all people, make Mihoshi the janitor. They should have both been the teachers. I don't know. But they made made Mihoshi the teacher. Mihoshi doesn't need to be forming or influencing young minds, please. (laughs) They're trying to basically narrow down when, um, when Achika goes missing. And this is where I get really angry with this film. So going back to earlier, they watch the film of Tenchi's dad and Achika flirting, well, him basically being a creeper and her not finding it creepy at all for some reason and just like sneaking up on her and then she vanishes. But we see that happen in real time and she doesn't vanish. So it makes like it makes no sense to me why because they they see this happen they know that this happens this doesn't unhappen so why did she disappear from the film i get like they were trying to have like this catalyst of like her not being there but what they could have done is they could have had like wedding photos of the mom and the uh, the mom and dad together and then she vanishes from the photo or like the photo disappears or something like that something clearly after where it's happening we see this event happen, so we know that this happened. That wouldn't unhappen just because she disappeared after that. That ma- it makes no sense. Right. It would just be like if you like recorded somebody, like you you took a picture with somebody and posted it on Instagram, and a week later, you know, they passed away from a car accident or something. That photo doesn't disappear because they died. <laughs> it makes no sense. I was so outraged when I saw this moment, and like I hate to keep harping on it. But th- that was the dumbest plot device ever because we literally, like midway through the movie, see this exact scene. Yeah, that that it comes up later, and like when we get to that point, like there's like their excuses, like I, I don't even know what their excuses, but it's just not bad. It's not good. It makes no sense. The in the background, because a couple of times throughout the show, Washu gets in contact with them. And she does it once via, like, sunglasses or something. And then another time, she physically pulls Kione back to present day to talk to her. Uh, Kione is, like, her go-to, a gopher or whatever, in between the two pe- the two worlds. And it just, um, she's trying to narrow down when this exactly is going to happen. And they discover that the more that they look into it, the closer it's going to be towards their Tokyo trip. And... Nuri and I kind of talked about this before. Like, why do we even need to see the whole... There's like a whole like 20-minute section of the movie of just them like 
running around. Uh, it's like 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah it's just of them like running around doing absolutely nothing because by this point, Washu had determined that it was going to be the Tokyo trip. I, it just it didn't make yeah. this whole. This is my problem with with time travel movies. They rarely make sense. Like they pee, some some movies try a lot harder to make them make sense than others, but they usually don't ever completely make sense. And I don't feel like they even tried with this one to make it make sense. See, like okay, so to backtrack a little bit, so they know that it's going to happen at, at some point in time within this one week of history. So that's where they go back to in the first place. Wash was like it's going to be between this between these seven days so they go back to that point they don't know at what point she actually like is killed or disappeared or whatever happens to her they just know it's within these seven days so they go back they try to get closer to her ryoko and uh achi uh and uh, i Ayeka. oh my god i was about to Ayeka, thank you they go to like they become like transfer students that live in her house and like they just call the school calls and it's like hey you need to take these kids in mm-hmm. and she and her dad is like sure okay that makes sense and i'm like what <laughs> but anyway on what planet does that make sense and what planet does the school be like you need to board these transfer students like who why no get, get out of my house but anyway and like <laughs> the whole time like you know she doesn't she just notices these new people and she thinks they're weird. Like she, she's a nice girl. And so she's like pleasant and cordial to them, but she's not like, they're not friends with her. No. Like Ryoko is like constantly looking around, trying to figure out what's going on. And Ayaka is like trying to be friends with the mom, but because she thinks that being cool with the mom will get her in cool with Tenshi. I I guess. Sure. Okay. But like, for literally like half the movie they're at the school in this week period trying to figure out what's going on and they're trying to get close to her they have all these stupid little rivals between Ryoko and Ayaka and whatever and they Ryoko also happens to notice there's this guy there who's being really weird he's like constantly watching Achika and he always shows up when something weird happens and so she's like okay that's sus she doesn't Mm -hmm. mention this to anybody though she she's just like i'm just gonna make note of this and then creep on this guy but i'm not gonna mention it to anyone that this is a concern for me and so like they're just trying to figure out what's going on with the mom she's like put off by these weirdos who have inserted themselves into her life while also trying to maintain her normal day-to-day with her friends and this guy that she's like sort of friends with but not super close to who is Tenchi's dad and this whole time Tenchi has to be hidden because he's not allowed to meet up with his mom because it could cause a time paradox or whatever and so it finally gets to the point where they're going to go on a class trip to Tokyo because everything happens in Tokyo god forbid anything happen in the middle of the mountains um so that's when Washu's like well it's going to be when you're on the Tokyo trip that's that's the point that it's going to happen and so then we get to Tokyo and again, we, we're like going sightseeing. They're like at festivals and matsuris and everything like that. And I'm like, we just spent a half hour having these <laughs> slice of life scenes with Ryoko, Ayaka, you know, Mihoshi and whatever with the mom. Why do we need more of them? Well, not only that, like 
like they don't follow up on any of them like none of them are none of them are plot points they're just things that happen like like them living with her at Achiga at her house that never like pays off into anything and it's never brought up again they never go back to the shrine on screen I mean, it establishes where they're living, but they could have just easily, like, hidden with Tenchi in the bushes. Like, they didn't have to live there with her. Right. Like, they could have camped outside the house and watched for somebody, like, trying to, like, sneak in and attack her. Like, they didn't have to be in there. And not that they utilized that anyway. Like, had there been a scene where, like, they thought somebody was, like, even if it was just a funny throwaway scene where they thought somebody was trying to break into Achika's room and they, like, storm in there and find her, like in her pajamas and she's all embarrassed or whatever like your stereotypical anime scene at least them living there would have a reason to have happened but we just get this scene yeah it's just it, it it's just set up yeah. it's just for setup to to explain things and then they never do anything with that information and that happens over and over again in this movie like mihoshi being the teacher yes that establishes like her why she's there but they didn't need to integrate themselves into society they could have just been on the fringe, on the outskirts. They didn't need to interact with her directly, but they did, which would lead you to believe that there's going to be some kind of payoff. Like, they're going to get close to her and not want to see her die or not want to part with her at the end of the movie or have a new respect for, like, Tenchi and his family and the Jirai line. But none of that happens. Like, you would think, especially because Ayaka makes a point where she wants to become close to the mom she like she keeps calling her mother because yeah. again Ayaka's is under this impression that she's going to marry tenchi like she she doesn't try to get to know her the, the whole time she's just like oh mother and blah 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 and and then like she's still fighting with ryoko and like achika like i said like is like man they're weird mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's put off by them they're very odd to her She's not super fond of them. She doesn't want to hang out with them. They don't go do things like they don't have like girls nights or anything like that. They it seems like she makes them dinner. She goes to her room and she's like, God, they got I don't have to deal with them assholes anymore. This there's just so much wasted potential in this movie. Like, yeah, they set up they set up so much stuff. And I feel like it could have been they could have had the same runtime. But if they'd focused on other areas like, each one of the girls, one by one, getting to know, like, a different side of her personality or getting close to her in a different way so that they they feel like they've connected with her. Or even just, like, comparing her to Tenchi and being like, oh, he's, like, so much like his mom and now, like, I, I can see her in him. Like, anything to tie this to any relevance to anything other than we have to be her bodyguard would have been fantastic. But it was basically just, like, a weird, like just like you said the weird kids at school just being in her periphery like not any solid interaction whatsoever yeah and so we get to the tokyo trip and like she and tenchi whenever there's something weird like whenever it seems like she's starting to disappear there's some kind of effect like they glitch out and whatever she and tenchi both have this reaction and so she has a thing where she's like in the store with his dad and she like has like this giant headache and like stuff shatters and whatever and it's implied that it's because Kane is getting close mm-hmm. and so the they're like okay it's this is the countdown stuff is really starting to go down and and then Washu is like okay Kane is going to use this incredible power 
to do whatever he's going to do. We need to have a way to, to, you know, to reverse it. But no one on Earth is strong enough to do it. No one has the right, cap- because capacity. The, the last time it was the the King of Jiraiya, the Prince of Jiraiya, one of the two, used yes. his entire life force basically to lock him away. And there's nobody on Earth with that much power. Oh, yeah. By the way, Kane has a vendetta against Tenshi's family because he is a direct descendant of Jirai, who is the founder of their civilization. And that's it? Like, he locked him away, and so that's his deal. That's literally that's yeah. literally his whole motivation is he wants to stick one to Jirai's descendants. Yeah. And so, it's so... It's not... It's not the best motivation, but... It's something. I mean, it's a, it's a motivation. He's he reminds me a lot of the the old anime trope where you spend the entire season and it's it's not a one to one parallel, but I'll get there. But like you spend the entire season thinking that one character is the main bad guy, only for in like the second to last episode you find out that it's somebody else. Like, with Sailor Moon, yes. you spend the entire time of the first season thinking that Queen Beryl is the end-all be-all, and right at the very end, you find out that Metallia is actually the end-all be-all, and they have to really rush her motivations and get everything out there in, like, a, it's it's sort of flimsy as a result, because yeah. she wasn't there the whole time. So it's like, there, we, we only get to see Kane for the last, like, 30 minutes of the movie, if that, and so he we don't we don't get to know a whole lot it's about a generous him. 15 <laughs> and so speaking of kane and like you said the red herring trope the guy that ryoko kept seeing hang around who she she's convinced he's kane and i was also convinced he's kane because that's the setup when it's this weird guy creeping around he has weird energy he's he's totally suspicious it turns out he is not kane he is apparently another space detective like Mihoshi and Kione, but he's like a bounty hunter who's going after Kane, and he's like a cat man. And he knows Mihoshi and Kione and doesn't say anything to yeah. them? Yeah! And he doesn't say who he is or what he's there for! He's just acting weird! And so he doesn't admit, and he at no point is like, hey, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna work together and get Kane. Like, he's like, no, I'm gonna do it, and then I'm gonna come back for you, Ryoko. <laughs> And, like, by the way, she never mentions this to anybody still. No. <laughs> no one knows this guy even exists at the end of the movie. Because I, the first time I watched it, I'll be honest with you, the first time I watched it in a while, I forgot that he died. Because he dies, by the way. Kane totally rips him to shreds. He gets, like, ripped in half. Yeah, he gets ripped to shreds. And so I was just like, he just never showed up again. And then <laughs> KRF was like, no, he died. And I'm like what (laughs) so i had to watch it again but then like so ryoko is the only person who interacts with this guy she is the only one who confronts him who reveal who is revealed that he is this weirdo that this he's this bounty hunter and she doesn't mention this to anybody she doesn't say to mihoshi and kione hey yeah one of your you know co-workers is here as well like, no one knows. And then when he just dies, he just dies. And, like, I don't even think Tenchi knew who he was. Tenchi was probably like, no, rip that guy. Who was that? <laughs> like, he he introduces himself, I think, to Tenchi and, like, tells him to stay out of his way or something before he starts attacking. But really, Tenchi has no idea who this guy is. <laughs> There's no way. 
But uh, before we get to that part, though, um, they they decide that because we were talking about how they needed the the power of Jirai to do it, and none of them had that power at this point in the show, so they needed to find a way to generate some um, some additional power. So they decide to go to the five crystal points of Tokyo of Crystal Tokyo and put these little generators on it. And yes, I understand that these are real shrines and that joke could probably be in poor taste, but I really wanted to make it anyway. But um, they go and plant these like generators to be able to boost their power, but it's only going to last for 10 minutes. And basically what they're going to do is they're going to send, their plan is to send him into like a remote region of space, but like he can fly through space. So why? It's, there's a lot of question marks with this movie, but it's yeah, essentially this movie is a big question mark they're just gonna suck him into a void and pray and so um they get up to put the final one has to go in in, in uh tokyo tower and it needs to go in the center which tenchi has this weird because it's tokyo wait, tower tenchi has this weird problem with finding the center of a circular room which was weird that that really bothered me he's like i need to find the center i'm like it's a circle go to the middle of the circle like <laughs> stop being an idiot but, right he's like he's like tell me where the cer- the center of the tower is i'm like probably the middle my dude <laughs> you just walk in any direction for a while um so we we finally get to kane and everything is starting to go down and they're starting to fight and our mystery bounty hunter policeman guy gets ripped to shreds and everything is kind of going to hell and they decide that they're going to turn on this this giant suck machine to get him sucked in. Uh, but but by the way, at this time, Tenchi's mom and dad are in Tokyo Tower because they were on a tour. And this is when Kane attacks. And Tenchi had been tailing his mom, so he is with them as well. Like So they're they're trying to defeat him and fight him or whatever. And at this point, Tenchi has unlocked some of his dry powers. So he's got like this lightsabery type sword and things like that. So he is able to put up a fight um, against Kane. But there's this particular scene that made me laugh so hard. One, because it's a huge plot hole. And number two, just because of how stupid it was animated. So Ryoko has teleportation abilities. But the problem with the the limitation, I guess not problem, the limitation of her powers is that she has to be able to 100% visualize where it is. Meaning most of the time she needs to have been there before. We get to an exception at the end of the movie, but I just wanted to have that disclaimer that most of the time she needs to have been there before so they knew that everything was going to go down at tokyo tower and they knew that they needed to set up these generators why did ryoko not visit tokyo tower before everything went down so that she could just teleport there because we get this really funny scene where she's like flying towards the tower at like the slowest freaking speed of all time like i don't know if they just animated it poorly or if she just can't fly fast because it was like three miles an hour that she's flying through the air to get to Tokyo Tower. She's like, Tenchi, I'm coming for you. I'll be there in just a moment. Like, girl, maybe in like an hour. Like, you need to pick up the pace. <laughs> You're not going to make it. <laughs> just, right. just fly. There's no traffic in the sky, Ryoko. Why are you taking so long? Oh, God. But no, I just, I found that so hilarious. I, I don't know why she didn't visit Tokyo Tower before then. Because they knew ahead of time. I don't know. Like, it just... It does. It didn't seem like they were utilizing their powers to the best of, of their abilities, but uh, they had to extend the runtime. 
So essentially, um, they they turn on the suck machine, and Kane gets sucked in. But the last second, he grabs onto the uh, he grabs onto Achika, and then Tenchi's dad grabs onto her, and they get sucked in. Or no, and then Tenchi grabs onto. Isn't Tenchi there too? No, he doesn't get sucked in. Remember? That's right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's right. So the, mom and dad get sucked along with with Kane. And they go into this remote part of space that mysteriously looks like the moon. I mean, maybe they just Yeah, it's didn't... just straight up the moon. <laughs> they just didn't know how to animate a remote planet, so they just modeled after the moon. Um, so they're they're on qu- the moon, TM question mark, and um, have to face Kane alone. So they come up with this new plan to defeat Kane once and for all by using a like a universe-destroying cannon that... Washu just has? Yeah, and everybody knows she has this. By the way, Washu is established as, like, a mad scientist. Like, Kione is terrified of her because of her power. Like, she is this crazy lady who constantly does experiments and everything like that. That's the reason that she's hanging out with Tenchi. She wants to experiment on him because of his dry, like, bloodline and whatever. And so... Like, Kione is like, you wouldn't even use that to destroy a planet. That's like a galaxy destroyer. And Washu's just like, yeah. And? <laughs> and everyone's like, okay, cool. Like, what? And their plan to get... So they... Apparently, the the suck machine that they went into is like a randomly generated location. So they don't even know exactly where they were sent. So in order to figure out where the parents are they somehow put ryoko in the mind of their mom so that she could see through her eyes and be able to teleport there like they really glossed that part over too i feel like they were just like had written themselves into a corner and needed to get the main characters there yeah i think what had happened no they didn't do have ryoko go into her mind they had ryoko go into tenchi's mind and then tenchi had some kind of genetic mind meld with his mom i guess it just it made no sense essentially zero sense was made right now but they get to the planet and they are like rocking these pretty cool um like evangelion bodysuits like they I just imagine they did like the G Gundam thing where they go through the body condom and they have on a cool outfit now. <laughs> yes. That, that's my head that's that's my head cannon for this. Um so it's Tenchi, Ayeka, and Ryoko. Not really sure why Ayeka went, because she doesn't do a whole lot. Um I understand she has dry blood and she can fight, but she doesn't really fight here much. Like it's mostly Tenchi. She she's not even like a white maid. She's not even support. She's just there. She just exists. Like, she's a main character, and it's a pivotal scene, so she's there. And it's your... From this point on, it's your basic uh, shounen anime type of fight where the main characters just get pummeled down, and you don't think that anything that they're ever going to be able to survive. And then, of course, they do. And the mom has a Sailor Moon transformation into Shrine Maiden. And... Yeah, by the way, she suddenly learns that she has Jirai powers. And at no point is she like, what? What do you mean I'm an alien? She's just like, oh, cool. I have magical powers now. And she just like starts kicking ass. And I'm like, okay. 
because there wasn't enough runtime for her to be concerned about it. <laughs> but this, all of this that we've been talking about for the past like 10 minutes is the last like five minutes of the movie. Like they cram everything into this final part of the movie where they have this big confrontation, this big battle. And it sounds like I'm, I'm like breezing over it, but it's because it happens so fast. There's really not much to talk about. It's just a standard fight. That they have 15 minutes left in runtime and this is how they used it. Yeah, it's it's just your it, it was a shonen fight. There wasn't a whole lot to write home about. It did look cool. This is I feel like this is where a lot of the budget went. But if you want to know what Kane looks like, he essentially just looks like no face from Spirited Away. Like there he doesn't have a lot of detail to him. He's like this amorphous blob with a mask. This big black amorphous blob. So it's not even super compelling or exciting fighting either. Like the the whole shrine maiden part with with Achika looks really cool, but the rest of it is just kind of eh. It, it's Tenchi was never really in my mind an action anime. So the fact that this there's so much focus on action was just weird to me. Like the original series did have fight scenes in it. But it would be like after five episodes of them like at Hot Springs or some shit. Like it wasn't it wasn't every episode. I guess that was the reason for the the tourist thing. <laughs> Essentially what happens at the end of this movie is they save the mom. The mom has a vision of her future and well like she has a vision of her future midway through the fight and that's how she like unlocks all of her powers or whatever. And uh so she knows now that she's Tenchi's mom and um we get to the very end of the movie and they decide that the best way for everything to go forward is for them to wipe their memory so that they don't create some kind of paradox. So she wipes the memory of Tenchi and of, or sorry, of Tenchi's dad and Tenchi's mom. And that's like the end of the movie. Like the movie just stops. Like there's no real wrap up. There's no real resolution. There's no going back to present day and everybody like debriefing or even like a little, comedic quip at the end it's just like your memories are erased goodbye and then credit roll it was well then they have like during the credits they have like more like eight millimeter home movies where it's implied where like it has like ryoko and i and Ayaka hanging out with achika and it's like and like again no there's no sound or anything other than the soundtrack for the ending credits but they're like hanging out laughing and whatever acting like they're like best friends for some reason but they're not when they were, were clearly not hanging out during the movie <sighs> this movie like and and the, there's like one part i, I want to mention just because there's again things that were dropped that i feel like because near the end when they're starting to escape they for whatever reason they have ryoko go out first and tenchi and Ayega. <laughs> the dad goes and then they have the mom coming out last. Why would she not go out first? She is the reason they are here. But anyway, so they're escaping from the random number generated moon that they landed on to leave Kane behind. Before it gets exploded. But Kane grabs onto the grabs onto the mom's hair and is holding her back before she can get through the portal. And so, of course, me being a connoisseur of anime tropes, it's like, oh my god, they're gonna cut her hair. Because it's like a huge trope mm -hmm. that when uh, that whenever a especially with women that when she's going through some sort of transformation either from a from child to adult or she's had some kind of traumatic experience 
cutting the a woman's hair is viewed as like a tra- is like a transitional thing. Right. Like it's very much like used narratively to be like a visual representation of her changing. So I was thinking, of course they're going to cut her hair now that she knows that she's the space alien princess and she has all these powers. She's gone through this big, huge traumatic event. You know, she knows who her son is. So yeah, they're going to cut her hair. But they don't. Nope. They don't cut her hair. She just He just eventually lets it go and she goes through the portal the end. And like, I understand, like, they didn't, ha- if they had cut her hair, because her, like, you know, I guess... Later on, she has long hair when she's like his when what Tenji remembers growing up. Hair grows back. She could have still had long hair. She could have grown <laughs> it know? out again. She could have grown it out by the time she got married and everything like that. She could like that would have been cool. That would have been cute, and that would have been an interesting way to have a callback at the end of the movie to be like, oh, her hair's short now. I wonder why she cut her hair between this time and this time in the past. You know, but whatever. Yeah, you know time time paradox, I guess. <laughs> but then they you know erase her memory and whatever, and it was so bizarre. Yeah, I just when it comes to this movie, it's a real mixed bag. And that like I mean that's kind of the purpose of this entire podcast is sometimes you remember stuff being better than it is because maybe it was the only thing you had to watch at the time, or maybe it was like your gateway into anime or. Maybe it was just, I don't know, in your formative years, maybe you didn't know what good writing looked like at the time. There's a lot of reasons why stuff ends up being nostalgic. Like, I I was talking with um, a friend of mine whose little sister, re- I, I want to say recently, not super recently, but like within the past few years, started getting into anime, and her first anime was Sword Art Online, which is very notoriously not good. Um, for a multitude of reasons, Sword on a Line is not good, objectively. Yeah. But um, it's really hard to rag on her for liking it, because number one, she's not experienced a ton of other shows and other writing and things like that. And number two, looking back at some of the shows that I really enjoyed when I was a kid, they don't necessarily hold up now either. And that's that's kind of what we're doing right now, is, is seeing what older shows are still good and which ones aren't. And unfortunately for me, this is just kind of nostalgic. It's not, it doesn't hold up today. There's too many missed opportunities and there's too much nonsense. There's too much like inconsequential nonsense, like not even fun nonsense, just things that don't affect anything that, I mean, animation's expensive, you know? So I just think of all all of that wasted time on plot lines that didn't go anywhere, plot points that didn't go anywhere. It's it's a miss for me. Yeah, I mean that's like the question of the show. Like that's the whole point of the show is to say, "Hey, is this nostalgic or is this actually a good show?" You know, and it's definitely a nostalgia thing for me because I, I watching it, there was times that I enjoyed it. But, a lo- like, honestly, the last half hour kind of dragged because, like, you, n- stuff wasn't happening for a long time because they, like, they were trying to, I-, I understand where they were going. They were trying to set up the mom as this character. And, you know, by herself, she was a good character because she's, like, kind of, you know, a, you know, kind of, I've tried to describe her. She's, like... I guess your typical anime mom <laughs> where she's 
quiet and, you know, kind of poised and, you know, thoughtful and she's caring. But, like, you don't see her interact with anyone other than who she would have already interacted with. You see her interacting with his dad, but that was already established. We know how they end up together. Mm -hmm. We don't need to see their, like, love story because we know what happens, you know? Like, sorry. Like, they didn't even really focus on their love story because they were, like, not together for most of the movie. Like, but if you're going to have these characters go back to the past to, you know, be involved with his mom, then they need to be involved, not just, like, around. (laughs) It just happened to be within her vicinity. Because it's not like they made friends. They weren't cool with... she. At the end of the day, they also just erased her memories of them. So it's not like... Right. She even like had any kind it had they had any kind of impact on her life. She doesn't remember any of it. So this whole movie felt like okay, I understand time travel movies do whatever and I understand like I looked it up and I guess they were trying to set up the mom for cuz Tenchi had a couple OVAs. They had Tenchi Muyo and then there's Tenchi in Tokyo and stuff like that. This was, you know, trying to connect one of the OVAs between seasons Mm -hmm. so they wanted to set up the mom character for her to have like an established backstory that they didn't think that they could do in the series i guess but at the same time it like it established her but it didn't really she did it's not like she had a connection with tenchi either because he had to stay hidden the whole time so you just kind of see her interacting with his dad and interacting with people again that she's already like we already know her her situation from context we have no idea how she would react in other situations yeah i again i really feel like had they gone through and given each one of the characters a reason to care about her beyond her being just tenchi's mom like her as a person like connect with aika over like needing to have good manners and correcting other people and you know they they bond over that like i'm thinking off the off the fly of my head so it's not going to be you know oscar worthy writing or like being really big into sports believe me this movie wasn't oscar worthy (laughs) i know but like just having different ways to connect with each one of the the girls to get closer to them so that they have a reason to want to care about her beyond her just being tenchi's mom like yes we want to keep tenchi alive we all love tenchi so that's our motivation here but there was no development past that, so it just kind of felt like they were hired bodyguards. Like, like no connection, no yes, no reason for being there outside of doing a job, and that's not good storytelling. It's it's boring, bland storytelling, right? And the they tried to set up some of these plot lines, but they never followed through on them, and it just left me wondering, like, was there a, a runtime issue was there a like a direction of how they wanted to go like a, a a clash or a conflict with the writers what happened behind the scenes because this could have been a pretty good story and it ended up just being kind of bland yeah it 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 very much it i i could see what they were trying to do and where they were going they just missed the mark a lot which which kind of sucks. I mean, it's no it's not any fault of you know, it's not I don't think they intended for it to be you know, 
incomprehensible to somebody who might not have seen the series before or people who haven't seen it since they were, you know, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it it very much was like, like, again, we're comparing apples to oranges here. But when we went from the Sailor Moon R movie, where, like we said, they had like a whole setup in the beginning of this is who this is. You know, this is Sailor Mars, Sailor Jupiter, Sailor Uranus. This is, well, not Uranus, Sailor Mercury, Venus, all that. They had the setup. They even also set up the villain or the, you know, the new character, right. Fiore, by having that flashback scene with Darian. So they set it all up. That's what I was going to say. Like, they, they make you care about the villain. They give the villain a purpose, a reason. And when you examine it, Fiore's reason for hating Sailor Moon and Kane's reason for hating the Jirai family and wanting to kill one of the Jirai family members, not that different. Not they're, Neither one of them are super deep. But what they did with Fiore versus Kane is they made you care about his existence. He was present throughout the movie. He had flashbacks. Though his motivations weren't really that much better than than Kane's, we saw why, like, we, we, we got to experience why he felt that way. Whereas with Kane, they just tell us the fact is he hates the Jirai family. Moving on. Like, <laughs> right. Just... There, there's, there's a whole thing. So I've taken screenwriting classes. I'm a writer myself. And so there's a thing in, in, in writing called show and tell. You can show things, especially when you come to, like, media like movies or TV shows. And it's, like, show and tell. You can show it, meaning that you actually, like, with a flashback, that's considered a show. You show their motivation by, you know, having a scene that sets up whatever you're trying to set up. Or you can just tell, which is where, essentially, like, you know, we mentioned with everybody being like okay well the reason why Kane feels this way is because of the history with the Jirai family Washu just dumps that information on them At, like you don't see a flashback of him fighting the Jirai family you don't have anything shown it's just told to you you were expected to just take this information at face value and it's just like okay I guess that's what's happening Show and tell, there's a time to tell and there's a time to show, and they did not show enough of Kane's motivation. They just told us what it was. And speaking of that scene, like, not to get too far back into the plot as we're wrapping this up, but why was that news to, to Ayaka, too? Like, shouldn't Ayaka have known? Yeah, why would why would Ayaka know who Kane is? Shouldn't she, of all people, know the history? Or at least to have heard the name or heard, like, legends yes. of, like, her ancestor. Because she is super into her ancestry. That's her whole character. Right. She, her whole thing is that she is a proud princess of Jirai. You're totally right. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. Why would she not know? Or at the very least not question why she didn't know. Like, she's just like, oh, my God, that's crazy. But, like, why wasn't she... Yeah, if, if it had been, like, oh, this was... If this has been, like, oh, this was hidden from history or whatever, then then that would make sense. Right. She, at no point, is like, hey, I should know that. It's lampshaded and moved on. Um, but to wrap this up, so, essentially, the movie is worth watching if you're a fan of the show. I feel like if you're currently watching through Tenshi Miyo and Tenshi Universe, this is a great 
play like a, a great thing for you to check out because it's going to have all the characters that you love all their mannerisms are going to be there it's going to feel like a two-part episode of the show if you haven't seen the show in a while or if you've never seen the show please don't watch this movie <laughs> but right if you haven't seen the show in a while or you're going in expecting it to be some like nice standalone like interesting intriguing story it's not and it's it's not going to be that for you unfortunately so it's really up to your mindset and where you are with enjoying this franchise i would never tell somebody not to watch a, a movie if they think they're going to enjoy it if you like tenchi then go ahead and watch it but the expectation should not be that this is going to be like a lot of the other anime theatrical releases it's just it's very minimal it doesn't feel like a movie that had a theatrical release it feels almost like an ova no like it really it it does feel like an ova like a straight to vhs yes. yeah film. it does or like an in-between season filler kind of thing because like a tv special or something. yes like a tv special totally like um yeah i i i feel like again i agree that there's a lot of merits to the movie that i could see what they were trying to go for and unfortunately the execution just wasn't there they they tried and it's a very pretty movie the animation is really good it's kind of that really good you know mid 90s style which i'm always been a fan of and so for it not to quite meet expectation was kind of a bummer because i do like tenshi i do like the series so yeah (laughs) well not to be super spoilery but we might have to check out some of the other movies to see if they hold up a little bit better yeah i i I wonder if they all are like Uh, i i very distinctly remember liking the second movie a lot so um maybe i'll be disappointed again (laughs) who knows right i i remember liking i I think i did also like the second movie i remember the third movie very well because i did not remember this one and i because i got confused because they have a similar not a similar plot but an adjacent plot in i think tenshi in tokyo and so i was like wait is this no okay i was confused So we're going to wrap things up here and let you guys go on with the rest of your day. Um, Nuri, where can people find you if they want to get to know a little bit more about you? Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter as Nuri Hayu. I'm on Instagram as Nuri Curry. I'm also on Tumblr, I guess, sort of. Um, t- feel free. I'm also on the Cosmocast. Oh, God, I almost forgot. We are both also on the <laughs> Cosmocast, which is a Saint Seiya fan cast. Um feel free to reach out to me if you love this movie please tell me you know please argue its merits to me i'm totally cool with people telling me that they love this movie and why um you know feel feel free to talk to me on twitter i love talking to people about anime and shows and the merits of good writing and bad writing and (laughs) yeah so hit me up and I am Common Rider Furry, your host as always. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Common Rider Furry. If you want to follow the show, we are on both platforms as well at Ancient Anime Pod. If you have an opinion that you would like to share with us and be featured on the show, it doesn't even have to be necessarily about what we're talking about. We would just like to showcase some of your opinions. 
you can either DM me on Twitter, DMs are open as of right now, or you can email me at our new Gmail, which is ancientanimepod at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you again next week with another movie that you may or may not hate us for ragging on. Have a good one.